0: Stop.
1: Welcome to This is the Pits with Chelsea and Michael. I'm Chelsea.
0: And I'm Michael. And this week we are going to be talking about a movie called Bike Club, which is from 1999.
1: And boy, oh boy, oh boy, am I excited to talk to you about this.
0: (laughs) I know. This is like a, a movie that I was... I've been excited to talk about for weeks. Um and I think a lot of people who have not listened to this podcast are going to listen to it because yeah. this is a this everybody is, has an opinion on.
1: I think this is a flagship episode, if that's the proper use of flagship. <laughs> 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 I don't think it is.
0: It's, I think it's a flagpole episode, which I also don't know if it's a, good a flagpole right use of this episode.
1: episode. That's exactly there's a, right. There's a, a tent pole. <laughs> it's a tent pole episode. T- it's keeping us uh protected. <laughs>
0: It's a tentpole keeping us afloat in the rainy winter
1: <laughs> that's exactly right um, um, so definitely so definitely, for- definitely um people that I know are going to be listening to this podcast for the first time because of this episode, so yeah, which is great. I'm well, feeling um, a lot of pressure, but I have plenty to say,
0: yeah, I have plenty to say, and um for those who are first time or not often listeners um this is, this is the pits is a podcast where Chelsea and I um are watching every single Brad Pitt movie in chronological order um. And talking about the cultural and social impact of Brad Pitt's career and the movies that he was in and just kind of watching pop culture happen through the 90s and early 2000s via Brad Pitt's career.
1: Yeah. And we've gone through, so we've really watched a lot of trolls of movies and we've seen a few good ones. And I just want to kick off this episode by saying I fucking love this movie. I love it. <laughs> I liked it too. But you know what? it a lot of people really don't like A this movie. A lot of people movie. really don't like it, and they're dumb idiots.
0: <laughs> you know what? They're entitled to to being wrong. If they want to be wrong, that's their own.
1: Problem. Sure. Can... I guess I just think that this movie's great. First and foremost, and obviously, we'll get deep into it. But I think it's great because it was just so considerate. It was so thought out. There's so many little things that, even if it is unenjoyable for you to watch, you have to appreciate the nuances of it. I mean, it's fucking awesome. In that way, it at feels, least.
0: It feels. I agree. It feels. More, um, I don't know if mature is the right word, but I guess mature for David Fincher compared to seven. It's like seven, 2.0. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like he was 100%. trying to say something with seven. And it's funny because, it. yeah,
1: yeah, you're right. You're right. Sorry, I just interrupted you. But it's I wrote that down in my notes. It was like seven, he was doing that really dark thing, and he did it too much. And in this movie, the darkness is like perfectly applied. So you you get the light where you need the light, and the dark where you need the dark. But also, they're both movies with twist endings, and having... Mm -hmm. You don't ever... I mean, I didn't ever need to see Seven again, because the movie's sort of ruined once you've seen it once. Whereas this one, I feel the exact opposite way about.
0: I agree, yeah. there's Because even though... um, I mean, my opinion is sort of that, I think that sometimes this movie makes people feel smart because if right. you watch it once you get the twist and you watch it a second time mm-hmm. you are like seeing all these things yeah. you didn't notice before that's that so awesome yeah and that's cool like that's very i think that's very thoughtful
1: totally. um well i I've like been,
0: that aspect of it
1: yeah i do too well that's what i mean like it's thoughtful yeah it's, it's super engaging um I wanted to ask you, though, and have been looking forward to talking to you about this specifically because last week you said that you watched it in high school and you loved it, and then you watched it a second time and you didn't love it, and so I'm wondering why you didn't like it that second time.
0: Ah, well, um, I think that the second time that I watched it, I was uh, just coming out, first of all, um, Mm, and so I was very anti-hyper-masculinity. I thought masculinity was stupid. I mean, and in a lot of ways it is. I think max, masculinity can be toxic. Um but that's what I felt like watching this watching that movie the second time when I was, you know, 19 or 20 or something. I just was like like oh, this is for people who are annoying. Like people who <laughs> like think that they have something that they need to prove, like for people who are like nihilists but also like women haters and right. you know, like just toxic masculinity left and right, like people who are insecure because they're not masculine enough.
1: Yeah. It's so Which is why I didn't like it before. Yeah. Well, in reading the reviews, I, I was as I was watching it yesterday, I didn't even think about masculinity at all. I thought a little bit about homoeroticism. What? No, I didn't. I know. And then I started reading the reviews, and that is like everybody's takeaway was the masculine thing, and I just wasn't thinking about it.
0: Which No way. It's riddled with masculine. I mean,
1: I, I, I 100%... totally a million times. Yes. I just didn't, it wasn't one of the things that I clocked and it's funny because every other person clocked it. Yeah. I mean, I might be thick in the skull. That's
0: the, um, I don't know. That's the thing that I just was so fixated on. Even this, watching it this time, Mm -hmm. I went in with a tried to go in with an open mind and I still, I I have thoughts, which we'll get into like my theories, um, about what this movie is saying about masculinity later. Um, But we're not here just to talk about reviews and just to talk about our opinion of masculinity in this movie in general. Um, We should talk about the world in which this movie came out. Oh, great. uh, 1999.
1: So fascinating to me is the Uh year in which this movie came out because there's a few events that happened in 1999 that are um, fitting to the sort of nihilist, destructive nature of this movie, which is... Uh, First of all, Columbine happened that year, which was the, that was the OG school shooting before they happened every day of the week. Um, That one was like uh, shocking and put the world on its ass. And um, Mm -hmm. it's kind of difficult to think about how far we've come from that. And we've just backslid and backslid and backslid. But then also this movie was made and released on the eve of Y2K. Do you remember Y2K? Like the fucking no, mania of the destruction of the world. You're too much of a tiny child.
0: I remember that it was happening, but I didn't, I was not really aware of how much people were losing their minds. People I mean, people were
1: losing their minds. And especially the whole because thing,
0: my dad was the kind of person who would always be like, people are freaking out, but everything, like the news would be playing it, and in the news, they'd be like, everything is falling apart. My dad would look at me and be like, no, it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the thing the whole, really
1: the whole there. scare of the Y2K thing was that at 2000s they thought that the computers around the world would reset because they would go to zero zero which is such bullshit as if we're on one master computer but it was like are the nuclear bombs gonna go off because they're all on computers and like are is the stock market gonna crash and like i just i bring that up specifically because it's funny because this movie is about you know the destruction of major financial institutions and it came out in september on the eve of like that potentially happening in in the collective oh, yeah. mind of our country. So
0: yep.
1: I just thought that was like what great bang on timing, considering how long it took to make this movie, which we'll get into shortly. Um, a few other little things is the euro was established that year.
0: Oh, I didn't. I thought the euro was like eternal. No way. The European Union
1: was was a pretty new thing. Um,
0: oh wow, I'm I'm very bad at history, apparently.
1: Yeah, you are a dumb bitch. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you call it like you see it, you know. Yeah, you know. Um, the average cost cost of gas was a dollar twenty two. Wouldn't it be nice? Oh, fuck your face. When we were younger. That's... Yeah, and then um, SpongeBob SquarePants premiered that year.
0: Uh, R.I.P. Steven Hillenberg. Yeah,
1: R.I.P. Just me. died. And then uh, just. For reference on what was going on in Chelsea Lee's life, I was sitting at home watching Dawson's Creek every night and being in love with Pacey and wanting my life to be that. So I was living in a little Y2K Dawson's Creek Ally McBeal bubble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's lovely. I was, uh, I was my stealing divorced, cigarettes.
1: So. You what? My
0: parents were divorced. Oh. So that's what that's what I was doing at age six. Jeez. Anyway, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I wasn't
0: really – for the record, that didn't really, like, bother me that much. Anyway, um, so is that all for 1999? Um, that was a real downer of a comment by me, huh?
1: Yeah, I have to tell you. Well, let's just really quickly just to complete the arc here, and we'll bring this back to masculinity too, is that the, the movie okay. that won the Oscar in 2000 for Best Movie of the Year was American Beauty.
0: In 2004? or In 2000. 2000. The yeah. Year 2000.
1: For 1999.
0: Oh, right, right, right. Oh, it was American Beauty. Well, interesting. Very Masculinity interesting.
1: Masculinity is a hot-button topic in 1999.
0: And as was Twist Endings. mm mm-hmm. Twist Endings were a new thing that people were doing. The yeah. Sixth Sense came out, went, like, in the 90s at some time. And then Seven had a Twist Ending. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, Twist Endings were, like, big. It was, like... yeah. It was like, narration is out.
1: Yeah, but narration <laughs> came back in a big yeah. way in this movie, and it did a great fucking job. That is how you yeah. do narration.
0: Yeah, that was good. Like, I forgot that it had narration Exactly just now right. I said that. I, was, I thought that this movie did not have narration. So,
1: so a few little flagship moments for this podcast and this movie okay. is, um, we've been in a major slump of Brad Pitt's acting for quite some time.
0: Good God. Can we, I mean, I, I don't want to give any more airtime to Meet Joe Black or... <laughs>
1: Devil any, of Zone the, yeah.
0: any of the other bullshit that he was doing
1: but this one he he's back i thought he was back in a big way
0: he it felt like i mean this is kind of like brad pitt like this is like this is his when thing. you think of brad pitt you think of like the this cheeky. movie is one of the ones you think of cheeky totally. yeah
1: and um and hot he just was like oh hot my this movie god like, that body he's ripped as fuck Insane. insane crazy his arms we have not seen him bulk up yet really he's always just been like the skinny hot thing um but no his yeah. fucking cum gutters are shocking to me yeah
0: <laughs> i'm sorry excuse sorry. me what
1: sorry mom and dad yeah <laughs> cum gutters it's a, a turn of phrase to describe you know like the lines underneath like on the hip bones you know oh. like michelangelo's david has yeah. cum gutters that's a really
0: weird phrase <laughs> should i cut this but... out no i'm to gonna say. use it i'm
1: okay. gonna use that. yes i think it's a great one i mean it's gross at first but once you get used to saying it it really rolls off the tongue
0: just like you know that. what my favorite uh gross phrase is while we're talking about gross phrases yeah um shitty kitty
1: what is a shitty kitty
0: it's um a term used to describe a, a man's butt <laughs> for a gay man's butt because he doesn't have a normal kitty but he does have a shitty <laughs> kitty.
1: it's a shitty kitty I have a normal kitty. (laughs) That's what you're saying.
0: I have a shitty kitty. Anyway. (laughs) That um... is
1: really funny. Um, Okay, so that flagship thing is that Brad Pitt's back, and this is, like, where he shines. Um, Also, this is our first movie that we've watched. Um, So we started doing this podcast in 1993, right? Um, This one has special effects. I mean, um, graphic. CGI. Yes, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it does. And it has a lot of CGI. Like some of it took like over a year to do that. Yeah. That one scene in particular where all the buildings fall. Yeah. that it took a year to do that because they had to do it frame by frame.
1: Wow. I fucking respect the shit out of that. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about how this movie came to be?
0: Oh, yeah. Can do. Well, um, basically, uh, in 1997, I believe... Um, a lady named Laura Ziskin bought the rights to this movie from Chuck Palahniuk, and she... Oh, yeah, we
1: should say that this is based on a book by Chuck Palahniuk.
0: Yeah, so this this is based on a book by Chuck Palahniuk, who um, is an author who writes a ton of books that are a lot like this. Yeah, um, they're,
1: like, a little bit grimy and gross, and they're great.
0: They're good, yeah. Like, every, like, 18-year-old goes through a Chuck Palahniuk phase, Big and time. it's great. It's yeah. a great...
1: It's like Charles Bukowski, Chuck Palahniuk... And then you like, Vonnegut. Va- and then you get to Vonnegut in college, and like,
0: once you get to Vonnegut, you're like, I'm an intellectual. Yes. Chuck Palahniuk is for babies. I'm yeah. an intellectual. I read and then Vonnegut.
1: you have your like David Foster Wallace moment for a second, then you can't complete oh. the book. <laughs> I, yes, exactly. That's, I have
0: so many David Foster Wallace books, and I love. Them all. Then I you had like a friend in college. Back to
1: Murakami. Sorry, <laughs> my roommate
0: in college read. He sat down and read all of, um, Infinite not Jest. the Pale King, Infinite Jest, yeah, yeah. and. And The Pale King, actually. Yeah. I mean, he just was a re- – I was so jealous of him that he could sit down and I have just tried. read Infinite Jest. I have opened yes.
1: Infinite Jest 700 times. I have and it you on my shelf. love a big... I love a tome, but this it's, like, impossible to get through. Maybe one day.
0: He. I really like David Foster Wallace's essays. Anyway, now we're just talking about David Foster Wallace. Um, mm, let's so bring it back to Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. So Chuck wrote this book um, in 1943. No, he, um, he did not. <laughs> no. I don't know when he wrote the book. <laughs> um, but <laughs> – It doesn't matter when he wrote the book because he – because Laura Ziskin bought the rights and Laura Ziskin worked for Fox Mm -hmm. and um, she bought the rights and and David Fincher uh, found out about it and somebody – I forget who it was – told him that he needed to read the book that night because otherwise they were going to start making the movie without him. And he needed to read the book right away in order – because he needed to direct it and he was like, I don't know. I'm like, I got shit to do. I can't really – and then – he did. He went home and he read the book that night. Yeah. And he said he was laughing when he read it. Yeah. And he loved it so much and then the next day he went to Laura Ziskin's office and um like pitched himself as the director yeah. and said, "We can either make this a 3 million dollar movie mm-hmm. where it's just, you know, kind of like we use a video recorder and we just make this little movie that is seen in a few theaters or we can make a 50 million dollar movie and really be true to the book and do all the things that the book has in it. Mm-hmm. And it is like the movie is I've read the book. Yeah. Like I, I said haven't. because like, you have it? No. It's a pretty good book. I mean it's the same exact thing as the movie, but it's just kind of it's kind of fun to read it to imagine all these details. Right. You know. I think I'm and, going I've to read it. Definitely. It's a quick read. It's, it's like 200 pages, maybe. Well, I'm going to read
1: books over 500 pages.
0: <laughs> it, we get it. You're an intellectual.
1: Uh, I'm an you're, intellectual you're... who talks about cum gutters. That's me in a snapshot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so she gets Fincher. And um, honestly, Laura Ziskin is, is the one to blame for this movie. Because she also... We'll talk about this more later, but when it came out, studio heads from Fox were horrified. Mm-hmm. They did not like the movie. They wanted to cancel everything about it. They wanted to edit everything out. Um, but Laura Ziskin went to bat for the movie and she defended it and said, "No, no, this is we're doing this." Like she she pushed for keeping it um keeping the integrity. Um so she's she is as much to blame for this movie as David Fincher is. Um,
1: That's
0: awesome. And yeah, no, she was great. So then david fincher calls brad pitt and um cuz you know they're talking about who to get involved in the movie and he calls uh, uh, apparently he called brad pitt and then as soon as he hung up brad pitt was immediately interested as soon as he hung up the phone 4 minutes later brad pitt said he had ran from his house to david fincher's house and david fincher lived in a gated community and fincher was like I honestly don't know how Brad Pitt got past the guards so quickly. Because <laughs> he's Brad. He got to my Pitt. house. Right. Wait, I mean, he's Brad Pitt. I yeah. know how he got past the guards. He just said, I'm Brad Pitt. Can I go through? Yeah. He said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, um, anything for you, sir. <laughs> yeah, whatever, Brad Pitt. I mean, I would say yes. I would be like, I, what, fire me. I don't care. I'll tell you
1: what. At this time in his life, when he's ripped like that, we've had a few discussions about whether or not we do him. And like, let me tell you, this is by far his sexiest. That's psychotic. He's right now he's peeking. Oh, peaking. he is. Peaking my interest. Peaking.
0: <laughs> you know what? That's not fair to say peaking because like peaking means like it's downhill from here, and it's not downhill. It's just he's just climaxing. I don't know what. To...
1: Yeah, he's climaxing, <laughs> and so will, uh, will I be? He's yeah. <laughs> when I meet him,
0: <laughs> exactly. When I when we meet him, both. I hope uh, he
1: listens to this episode specifically already. I think it's a great one. <laughs> Anyway. I, think he's
0: gonna, I think Brad Pitt's going to listen to this episode and stop right when we get the shitty kitty.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he's too much of a good country boy for our potty mouths. Anyway, anyway, so what you didn't mention um, about it was that he said it'll be a $50 million movie and it ended up be- becoming a $63 million movie.
0: Oh yeah, because... well that's because once he got Brad Pitt on, his entire salary was $17.5 million. I know,
1: and do you know what Ed Norton's salary was?
0: wasn't it like 2 million or
1: something? 2.5 million. Like Oh man. This makes me a little bit pissed off at Brad. Like he didn't need to take that much money. Share the goddamn wealth. He di-
0: he didn't, but I don't I I'm not pissed off it. I think good for him. It's like how many how many superstars <laughs> are there in the world? Not that many. How many people in the world can say I'll do this for 17.5 million million? and have somebody atrocious. say yes? It's atrocious to me. Disgusting. Oh, give, it's disgusting. But like, it's amazing. Or
1: make the $17.5 and then keep $2.5 for yourself and then give the rest to charity so that you're on par okay. with A.
0: Well, that's so noble of you. But honestly, if I, I am was an intellectual
1: position... <laughs> good doer,
0: you are a moral intellectual. <laughs>
1: I'm just the greatest. <laughs> um, but anyway, another reason why it was so expensive is because they constructed 72 physical sets.
0: Jesus, 72
1: but... for 2 hour movies. I didn't know that. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, wild and crazy. But another reason why it's another point towards the film is that like I just love the the balls of using and, all of that CGI in that time and then building 72 practical sets. It's just like awesome.
0: And yeah, and if you if you watched any of the behind the scenes videos, like yeah. they use so many um like real like, when you think about all the props that they use, like, yeah. it's it's so – it was easy to – for me, I don't know about you, it was – I was watching it. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like since we work in movies and TV, mm-hmm. like, watching a movies and TV, I'll get caught up in thinking, like, that would be a nightmare to shoot. This is – Totally. You know, that looks like a logistical, like, that background actor is fake as fuck. Oh, I my think God. About the background actors
1: the in the Fight Club <laughs> –
0: Oh, I know. <laughs> the ones really that
1: funny. are standing around watching the fight is just... Like fist pumping. I couldn't. I was like, kept getting distracted by them because we've talked about background actors, you know? So I always try to take a look and I was like, this is so funny. Like, what would you be doing if you were watching two people bare bones each other?
0: I don't know, but um, bare bones each other. <laughs> Feeding each other um... <laughs>
1: knuckle sandwiches, if you know what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I well I was gonna say that I actually like didn't really think about that stuff that much. Like yeah. I was actually so I was so into the movie that right. I really didn't even think about right. the production. Right. But and then I watched the behind the scenes stuff and I yeah. saw all the practical effects, like the, the fat bags and yeah. um bitch tits and everything, like bitch all tits, the effects. Animal seed. Animal, yeah, birds. They put feet. Birds crazy. Feet
1: in it. Yeah, I just love that. And you know, it's funny because too, this movie came out in a world of DVDs, and they really cared about DVD commentary. So there was a lot in terms of this podcast, so much to research and so much to come from directly from the mouths of the director and the actors because yeah. of that DVD oh, yeah. commentary, which is kind of lost to the sands of time now that we're streaming all the time.
0: Right. So yeah. So there. This was a cool. The, the way they moved. They the way they made this movie was very cool. I think. And like, there's a lot. We could just spend an entire hour talking about all the cool shit that they did. totally, For this movie. Yeah. And um but we're not going to.
1: <laughs> no, but can I just say one more thing?
0: Yeah, yeah. of course.
1: This movie
0: Chelsea, was the don't f- even ask next time. <laughs>
1: okay, great. I, <laughs> I just just on this subject. I this is the first movie since I mean, I think this might be the first movie in this whole podcast that I was fully committed to watching the movie the whole time. I didn't wander oh, away. And, by the way, I was watching it with a gentleman caller. So, like, I could have been extremely distracted.
0: A prostitute?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <I> brought, <laughs> brought my old standby over to watch my club with me. That's uh, a very pretty woman of you. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I'm really painting a beautiful portrait of myself. This episode. <laughs> no. My point is, I was sitting with a fella that I could have been kissing, but I was watching the movie.
0: Yeah, you know? well, I mean, honestly, this movie makes me just think men are trash.
1: It's so interesting that you would say that. Well, it's. I mean, should we talk about it? Yeah, go for it. Please expound on that. Just because I
0: think that, you know... When you watch this movie the, for the first time, you sort of just watch it for what it is. It's just this weird, like, psychological thriller where shit happens weird. The second time you watch it, as a man, right. I'm, I think guys especially identify with the, like, nihilistic, like, oh, I'm a man. I need to preserve my – I need to tap into my natural masculinity and do all these masculine things. Like, yeah. I, like,
1: is that so, the case? So do you, have movie, you felt that way?
0: like when I watched it early on and he was saying all those monologues about like your things end up owning you and like destroying the system and like what does it have to
1: do with being a man though I'm not asking that with any judgment in my voice I'm just curious why the nihilism thing is particularly masculine and not feminine
0: I think in in a lot of ways it's just because it's this movie's about um, like castration and like it, it glorifies like um doing masculine shit like you don't like you don't want to cry into bitch tits his name is bitch tits you don't want to cry into bitch tits you want to fight like fighting is better than crying and like right there you 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 go yeah you want to like do all these like we have to fight like we are you have to preserve like everything that we work for is really meaningless because you know we we're taught that we have to work we have to work you don't have to do any of that. All we have to do is just be true to ourselves and fight. You know what I mean? It's like this weird... Yeah. Um, they just say so many... Th- and, and But, like, then when you think about it more and you think about how actually it's just, like... <laughs> kind of making fun of masculinity. That's what it really is. Well, and so, I think that that's what a lot of people miss. It.
1: So, right, that's my that was if I and again, I wasn't clocking this when I was watching it, but I would say that it is making fun of masculinity in the whole um yeah. the for me a big takeaway was the appeal of somebody um like teasing you or giving you a little bit and then taking it away or like doing the come here there but stay far away kind of a thing. It works with mm. him and um What's her name? Darla, the character? Marla. Marla. Marla Singer. Marla Singer. So it's like, she's in love with him because he is like half, one foot in, one foot out. He amasses this army of people while being two people at once by sort of being like, I'm going to give you a little bit and then I'm going to take it away. So that was what I was thinking when I was watching it. Just like the the power play of of teasing.
0: Well, yes. I, I think, I, I know what you're saying, but like yeah. I think that... What I thought was interesting was that she, um, like, he was fully two different people. Yeah. Like he was two completely different people, yes. and it wasn't that weird for her. And like you know, like she to her it was just like she just kept being like, "What are you like? What?" And being like, "Ugh, you're the worst." And we well, just like so leave. did
1: his like cronies in the end, the the team mayhem guys. Like they did the same thing. They were dealing with one. No, person. No, not the
0: way she did though. They were always just like. Like scared of him and like thinking thinking that he's a genius, but she, because because they're men and they see him as like the peak man. He's just like
1: banging his chest like a fucking monkey.
0: Right. So all of his weird shit, they're like, wow, that's awesome. You're so smart. So, but really, he's like, he had a name. His name was Bob. And and then they're like, oh, he doesn't have a name till he's dead. And like, that's genius. And
1: he's like, yeah, whatever. It's so. I mean, we could go off on a whole podcast about this alone.
0: Yeah, but then her, she's like, ugh men are trash like this is what she's come to expect from men is like this weird two-faced mentality of like non-committal exactly. and he's so exactly. with himself exactly
1: exactly and having and dating in this generation and the game that we're we're taught is to play the fucking game and the game is don't care too much care just enough okay. and that i don't even think that's a masculine thing i think that's just like a whole that is how we are taught to date in this country and no, it, but
0: the, I think that you're right. But the masculine part is where he doesn't even realize he's doing it.
1: Right. Exactly. That's the part he doesn't where... give enough of a fuck about the girl.
0: And the girl sees it happening, but it's not that new of a concept to her. She's like, "Ugh, whatever. This just is annoying. another guy.
1: Right. Another right. Just dick. another
0: guy. And meanwhile, he's like got this whole thing where he's like, I got split personalities. I'm starting a fight club. <laughs> and it's like, dude, fucking calm down. This girl just likes you. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: she just likes you. And she's, like, hot as fuck. She's so hot. Yeah, she's so no fucking hot. No movie in the history of I wrote of that in my
0: notes. Yeah. She's hot. She's so
1: cool in this. She's so cool. And the way she smokes. And no movie's ever made me want to smoke more. And I'm, was, like, yep. between her and Brad, I'm, like, goddamn. And the guy on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> and the prostitute Real- on my couch. I'm, like, damn. Um It's so funny. But, okay, another really fun fact, a little factoid about the making of this movie, is that, um, so we only see them actually having sex one time. And that whole thing was shot in the Matrix rig. Um, Oh. Yeah, so it's shot frame by frame. So they were actually fully clothed in um, those, like, suits um, so that they could, like, pan in and pan around, you know? So it's, like, shot for shot, just like the bullet. In The Matrix, which I thought was cool. But the reason I bring this up, their sex scenes up, is because they spent three days just recording orgasm sounds. Just the two of them standing in a fucking VO booth coming at each other for three days.
0: (laughs) That is so funny and so weird. How awkward. How awkward. Yeah. Movies are so weird.
1: Movies are so weird.
0: I was watching The Grinch recently <laughs> which, which by the way
1: the jim carrey
0: jim carrey one uh-huh. it's such a good movie it's so fucking funny He's i know we're not here weird. to talk about this movie but i gotta point out just like how weird movie making is because he it took him three hours to get in that suit oh and one God. hour to get out of it and he had a cia torture person come and tell him how like anti-torture like, torture oh, like how survived. to deal like, with it yeah, yeah how to survive torture because the costume was so uncomfortable and hot and, like, he had to do it for 82 days. Holy
1: fuck. He was miserable. <laughs> so, I just think,
0: like, the the, the movies are crazy. Like, well, the fact that we it do this to shit. bringing it back to this movie,
1: Meatloaf's outfit, Bitch Tits' outfit, oh, yeah. was 100 pounds. T- 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 crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Owie-bazowie into my manowie. And then Brad's going to the dentist, getting his cap removed, chipping his tooth.
0: Chipping his teeth because he knows he can fix it. Yeah. It's just, like... I mean, for $17.5 million, you better be fucking chipping your tooth and getting... I'm so pissed about
1: that. So another thing I'd like to point out. um, Let's just talk about Brad Pitt for one minute. I mean, this is why we're here. Okay, yeah. I find him. So I've already said that I think that he did a great job in this role. Uh I've already said that he is the hottest thing that's ever happened to me (laughs) in this role. (laughs) But I also want to point out that I think that he is a director's actor, meaning that if he has a good relationship with his director, he's a thousand times more likely to do a good job. And he and David Fincher are really good friends. And he and Edward Norton are really good friends. And I think that the cheek of their friendship comes through in the film and in all the interviews I was reading afterwards. It's like the joy that they had making this movie is what gave us that little smile, even though we're watching people be tortured and beaten up. You know, like... Mm-hmm. I think that they genuinely had fun making it. And I think also I that agree. they were really proud of what they were doing. And yes. I think if you're an actor and you're really... The last couple of movies we've seen, I don't think he was comfortable being who he was. So I think it's really refreshing to see him like be confident again and be that sly, cheeky Brad that we've always known and loved. Um, so, yeah. I just was really happy to say and that. He was,
0: I agree. Mean- he he a wasn't doing an accent, oh. thank God.
1: He's gonna be doing one next week.
0: Oh, but it's so good. Anyway, I so he's <laughs> we're not gonna talk about it yet. Okay. Um, he's yeah, he's playing kind of a a version of himself, like it's a, a little bit. He's obviously so much more comfortable in that role than he is in. So it's any of the last that you would like, four say words. that
1: the guy that I was. So it's interesting that you would say that the guy that I was watching it with. Afterwards, we were like talking about our takeaways. Um, mm-hmm. And he was like, I really think that Brad Pitt just plays different versions of himself. And I was like, well, don't talk to me All about this because I run a Brad Pitt podcast. So I know intimately what his career is like. <laughs> but that was his like big thing was like, yeah, it's always like this kind of caricature of himself. And he doesn't have yeah. serious roles. And I was like, well, what about Legends of the Fall? Um, yeah, one other me. little cute, cute, cute thing that I loved mm-hmm. to illustrate his and Edward Norton's relationship um, this is from taken from Driven magazine from nineteen ninety nine. Mm. Uh, he goes, so you're really close friends with Edward Norton. The interviewer goes, you're really close friends with Edward Norton. It must have been so fun to work with him. And he goes, no, we're we're strictly lovers. It's a sexual attraction. <laughs> and the inter- interviewer goes, oh, that's funny, haha. And Brad Pitt goes, I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like cheeky. <laughs> oh, I love that I, we, so much. Yeah, he's like not taking himself too seriously. He knows he's done a good thing. And I just fucking thinks it's great. I just think it's really great. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: that's... Oh, I love Brad Pitt for that. Yeah, and he just... Well, yeah, he was also, you know time. what I like is that he and Edward Norton and David Fincher, I was reading in a bunch of different articles with, as they talk about the movie, they all understand that this movie is supposed to be a satire of masculinity. And the totally. thing that bugs me about... The thing that bugs me about, like, people who like Fight Club, it's like Rick and Morty fans. Some Rick and Morty Mm. fans are – like, I like the show. I love Rick and Morty. great show. Fucking
1: great. Rick and Morty fans
0: are obnoxious motherfuckers. (laughs) Same with Fight Club. It's like Fight Club, honestly, it's a pretty good movie because it actually is a satire and critique on masculinity. Yeah. But – People who are big fans of Fight Club and have Fight Club posters in their rooms, Jesus I judge you. Come I'm like, the you...
1: fuck down off your ledge, man. <laughs> it's,
0: it's like you are – I feel like when I see that, that you like think that you are going to take down the system yeah. from the inside or some Yeah, shit. Like, and and that's yeah.
1: especially interesting coming from your masculinity angle where it's just like, oh, now I can feel free to be a fucking monster man. A true man. Yeah. yeah. And
0: like idle out – like viewing Fight Club as, like, being woke or, like, idolization. Right. Like, because I heard some of the – there are some interviews where, like, the guy interviewing them was, like, would you say, like, in this – like, the world has started to become very PC. Like, even then they are talking about how PC – I know.
1: I know. It's so interesting. Now, I read all these articles of, like, men feeling threatened and, like, white men in particular feeling threatened. And it's, like, between that and Columbine – just, like, these yeah. two conversations are still fucking so fucking prevalent. prevalent and, like, glaring in our face every day. Yeah. And they yeah. haven't gone away. But, it's And it's been, you know, 20 years.
0: Yeah, well, I just like that when that guy said that to them and was like, you know, would you say this is, like, a rejection of this, uh, like, political correctness where, like, we're not supposed to fight and we're supposed to just talk about our feelings instead of, like, just fighting. Mm-hmm. and. Both Brad Pitt and Ed Norton were like, "No, go that's fuck not- your
1: dumb bitch yeah. face." Yeah, yeah.
0: And I was like, "Yeah, good. I'm glad that they acknowledge it because I was worried." Like, 1999, Brad Pitt dates 20 year olds. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. he's gonna say about this.
1: Totally. And he's said a lot of dumb shit in his life. And he and yeah. I, also there were a couple uh, articles I read where he did say a bunch of dumb shit, and I didn't write it down um, because I had so much to talk about. And so much, so much. Because now he's like, I mean, the it's like too much information. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so it's funny because this movie is polarizing. A lot of people really, really didn't like it when it came out. Totally. Um, I watched an interview with them where they were talking about its premiere at the Venice Film Festival, which was the Mm -hmm. first place where it played. And he said he, Brad and Edward Norton were in the theater with like a bunch. They all thought, they thought that everybody was going to be like 25, but it was like old Italian women. (laughs) And they, he's like, he looked over and saw the head of the film festival like, cover his mouth and like cringe and oh yeah and brad pitt and edward norton thought it was so funny that they were sitting in, an, in a theater that's quiet filled with little italian women laughing hysterically throughout the whole movie <laughs> Which and, I'm like, i love their humor so i know and they, they were like
0: they kept making they, they said it kept making them laugh harder yeah <laughs> they i love giggles
1: they i really, know it's been so it was so fun to do research watching the movie was great, but also doing research for this movie was great because I love their relationship.
0: Oh, and oh, me too. They're such they have they're such like boy lovers. It's yeah. the best. Um, I was uh, also I saw that part of that festival was when Marla Singer says the line, um, "I haven't been fucked like that since I was in grade school." Yeah, <laughs> that's the the festival director got up and left.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know that line. Funny you should bring that line up. Um. Because that line was supposed to say, I want to have your abortion. Right. But then the head of Fox said, fuck you. You cannot put that in there. And he said, nope. fine, I'll change it to a different line as long as you as long as you make a deal right now that I can't that you won't change it if I change it. Like it stays the way I change it, too. And he changed it, too. <laughs> I haven't been like that since grade school. And she was even more <laughs> pissed about that and wanted to change it back to the abortion line it didn't who was pissed about it that wasn't
0: um laura ziskin was it
1: no i forgot what her name was i think it was i I think think it was Ziskin. no i think it was Ziskin. oh really yeah um well um
0: yeah yeah i i think i mean marla singer was she was so good in this i was like Uh, obsessed i I forgot there's so much about this movie that i forgot i forgot how fucking stunning she is and i forgot how gory this is this this movie was so much gorier than i remember oh my
1: god jared leto Oh,
0: so fucking cool. Yeah. I loved him.
1: He's a great actor. He, he is, is a great an actor. interesting character, too. He has done some amazing smash of roles and then just like some nightmarish. He seems like the worst. Like as the front I'm, man from a, 30 Seconds to Mars, I want to <laughs> stab my eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, as an was, actor I, in I, Dallas Buyers Club, I'm like, holy fuck, you're brilliant. That's interesting.
0: Controversial yeah. role, but I think he slayed it. I, slayed. It was such a good yeah. Slide it. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, another note that I had. Quick note <laughs> is I was watching one of the scenes where somebody's getting brutally beat up. <laughs> yeah. And I might, I just wrote, uh, you know, there are easier ways to have gay sex.
1: Yeah. <laughs> to get to my <laughs> shitty kitty. Um, there's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it also is very homo. It is
1: very homoerotic, and I I actually wrote that note down because there's a moment when Tyler is talking to. Uh, Edward and they say something like like who needs women or like what's another woman going to do for us and it does feel kind of homoerotic especially in the beginning with their relationship before we know that Mm. they're obviously that they're the same person but that they do everything together and that they like Brad Pitt's in the bathtub at some point and Edward Norton's just like sitting outside of the bathtub as if that's like a normal I mean maybe that is a normal male yeah me
0: and my bros do that all the time
1: brothers do that all the time when they're kids. Yeah,
0: bros. I mean, I'm saying bros. I don't know. Like Do guys? Homoers.
1: I mean, I am I would be in the same room as my girlfriend if she was showering. I guess. Point is, it's a little bit homoerotic. And, no, I, was, guys, and I, I, I wasn't was, going mean, to bring that up unless you brought that up. So I'm glad you did.
0: What? You weren't going to bring up the gayness of the movie?
1: Yeah, because I, because I read an article. I read a thing that Brad Pitt was saying. Like, I think it's just bullshit that people even go there. It's like not even – it's not its place to go there and what? like – What?
0: Yeah. That's bullshit. It's bullshit for him to say that. That's what I'm saying. He does fair. say
1: stupid fucking shit all the time. But we it can't does. look down him in the lens because have you ever heard me speak for more than 15 minutes without saying something <laughs> stupid as fuck? I we luckily we have one listener, you know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I can't <laughs> yeah. can't beat him up for this. I don't have millions of followers yet. Also, side note: if you're still with us, please send us a goddamn email.
0: <laughs> oh wait, I didn't even tell you my. We got an email.
1: We got an email. We
0: got an what? email. We got one. Oh it's, my uh, god! It's from a guy whose name is Morgan Oberst. Oh, <laughs> <Cute>.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: There is a relation. He's my brother, um, and he said uh that he he wanted to toss us a friendly suggestion, mm-hmm. and we should put our email up on Instagram because it's hard to find our actual. He's like, he said the reason that. He, no one has emailed us because um, no one can find our email
1: address. <laughs> Fair enough, Morgan. Fair suggestion Justin. Thank okay, you for Morgan. writing in. And from here on out, if you send us an email, we will name check you on our podcast to our millions of followers. So, yeah. thank you, Morgan.
0: um Quick note for you now. I hope you're in a place to be taking notes. Uh, lose the attitude the next <laughs> yeah. time. You should,
1: maybe, Chill the fuck out, asshole. <laughs> yeah,
0: don't don't come at me so sideways. <laughs> Amazing. So um, I mean, right. normally we like summarize the movie a little bit, but I don't really feel like that's necessary. Do you, Do you?
1: No, I didn't. I don't. I think specifically we shouldn't, because okay. the first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club, and the second rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club, and that works internally in the movie, but also it was supposed to be like in the theater when you leave, you don't talk about what you saw because there's a twist at the end, and I feel like we should probably stick to that don't talk about Fight Club rule, you know?
0: Okay, but I mean, if you're listening to this, it's been, it was it's been twenty. Almost thirty years.
1: Yeah, so, still. No, but still I, I think I think in the spirit of the film, we should not spell it out. You should you did should you... watch the movie. Listen, everybody who's listening to this podcast has seen this movie.
0: True. Yeah. Um Uh Did you hear that Rosie O'Donnell spoiled it on National TV? Yes. Yes. That fucking asshole.
1: Yeah. I tried to find the clip of it and I couldn't. Oh my god, I'm gonna do some hardcore sleuthing for that. I will find right, it. You...
0: Yeah, you should, and send it to me, because um, I want to see. Because she, oh, that makes me so mad. Like, so petty of her. Um,
1: she, I know, and that's when she was like, Rose, the Rosie O'Donnell show was like a big fucking deal. She had a huge she was like, audience. Yeah, And she didn't like the movie. She's no, she was panning hated it. it.
0: That's why she she said the ending, because she hated it so much.
1: That's so fucking stupid. Yeah, Brad Pitt said it was unforgivable. I don't think they ever became fr- I don't think he ever forgave her, and I don't forgive her. <laughs> I don't forgive
0: her. I mean, she it's just so arrogant of her. You know yeah. that, that's one of the things that like I don't fully despise Rosie O'Donnell like some people do, but no, I don't I, I do not like how arrogant she is. I
1: also desp- like I don't that. despise Rosie O'Donnell, but I do despise people who spoil endings purposely.
0: I've yeah, done it. You know so you've done it. We've all done
1: it where you're like you spoil something and then you're like, "Wow, I'm the worst person." Like that fucking sucks to spoil a movie for someone and I'm Especially so sorry. So yeah, to, do to do it purposely is – yeah, and we've all done it. And we've all been spoiled too. And it's like – especially now with the internet, it's like fuck. If you watch Hard. Game of Thrones
0: – I can't even go – yeah, I was just going to say, I can't even yeah. go on the internet when Game of Thrones is happening yeah. because it will get spoiled for me. Or sports. Like yeah. if I wanted to watch – if I want to watch a basketball game but I can't watch it till later, I like can't go on the internet or anything because it's just everyone will be talking about it.
1: Totally. Exactly. So, But to do that purposely is just like such a dick move. It makes me really dislike yeah. her. Um and Same. while we're talking about her not liking it, why why did what was your general vibe about why people didn't like it when they watched it?
0: I think it's because it I think it romanticizes suicide and abusive relationships. Yeah. And I think it romanticizes um
1: psychosis at first
0: glance psychosis yeah Yeah. and yeah mental illness and I think at first glance it it does sort of feel like it's glorifying masculinity and like embracing like animalistic masculine impulses which is a bullshit concept in general yeah but you know and so I think the majority of people who watch it will probably take that away from it that it is this hyper masculine movie that embraces masculinity you know what i mean and i think it's such an interesting
1: thing to discuss with movies in general um because do you watch a movie like can you watch a movie that's not intended to have a message it's just a piece of artwork i i mean i think at least fight club is not intended to be like you should be a I don't think it's you're not I don't think you're supposed to walk away being like I need to go now do something. Like I Right. Like how do you separate the message from the movie because of course you ha- there is a message to every movie and with such a broad audience you have to take that in, into consideration as a filmmaker but like how where is that line? I don't know. I think we'll probably revisit this conversation because yeah. I don't think it's fair to judge the film as a piece of art based on the message, but also there those two are inextricable. So, it's just an interesting thing. Right.
0: Well, Br- um Brad Pitt said an interviewer said to Brad Pitt, would, would you feel responsible if somebody started a fight club and, and got hurt or someone died? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I wouldn't feel responsible because th- it, that's that person's choice.
1: Right. And it's the whole kind of conversation about video games and violence in video games. But I think like as two people who make film and TV, it's just a and in the world of so much constant media being shoved in our faces. It's an interesting thing to think about, like, how much responsibility do we have as creators? Um to be conscious of, of a message or, you know, or do we see a book that we really like and we develop it because we think it's fucking awesome and it'll be a great piece of art. I don't know. Right. I'm not well, making that's what a point.
0: This, this movie got a lot of heat.
1: Yeah. The thing is like
0: before Columbine and before, well, so that's, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Like this movie was in the works for years before I know. it came out. So. But the
1: timing is really strange. It is really strange. Like yeah. I think as a studio exec, I probably would have held on to it for a little bit. But that's why I bring up the Y two K thing because I think that it's, I think that that time in the world where there was so much uncertainty about what was going on was actually a great time to release this movie, and it probably struck a deeper nerve, and maybe that was intentional. I mean, I don't think it was intentional, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm there was also now.
0: while this movie came out, um, there was a lot of there was a a court case I forget what it was called where they were debating whether or not. Um, Congress should be allowed to censor the amount of violence in movies mm-hmm. um, because it was oh, having that's a negative interesting. Yeah, um,
1: I mean, that is a really fucking interesting thing. I think that with the video game thing, they found that it, it actually hasn't um, really affected much. And speaking of, I was watching an interview with Edward Norton and Brad Pitt, and they were talking about how it's not okay to fight anymore, but when they were young men, like fighting was – a harmless thing, part of the deal did on the schoolyard and that was the whole thing about like men now these days are like told not to fight and so like
0: well that's that masculinity thing that exa- exa- exactly
1: exactly but that is a specific message you know right and that's yeah.
0: so that and then that makes this movie more important when suddenly you talk about like whether or not you like this movie the fact that it still is something that we can have a conversation about totally that everybody has an opinion about and that yeah. it's still kind of relevant it's Says a lot about the movie. You know what I mean?
1: It is. Yes. I do know exactly what you mean. And I think this is a great segue into ratings because I want to get through the ratings of the world so that we can get into our ratings because I have some points. Right.
0: So movie. we can talk about general reception too. Just like it wasn't received well when it first yeah. came out. How much did but it what end were up the making?
1: What, how much did it end up making in the box office after six well, that I'll, I'll
0: tell you the numbers and then you can tell me what the critics said. Okay. Um, so – like we said before, the total budget for the movie was $63 million. Yeah. Its opening weekend, it did $11 million. Oh, Jesus
1: Christ. <laughs> Fuck yeah. me. Yeah. Wowzer manowzer, that hurts my hand and in my heart. Not good. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's bad news, Bears. Its total domestic gross was $37 million before it stopped being in theaters. Oh, so my God. That's bad. And then its world gross was $100 million, But, like, so they made their money back worldwide big whoop if you don't make at least half your money back on your opening weekend people are gonna be pissed
1: yeah but you know so, what it's world it's lifetime gross is probably shocking
0: it's significantly higher yeah as of 2009 just their dvd sales alone not including blu-ray their dvd sales alone were 34 million dollars yeah in 2009 fuck.
1: so <laughs> fuck fuck, they... fuck. and he had had issues with fox before fincher had had issues with fox before on alien three
0: and 7 he didn't he was not happy with them on 7 cuz they were trying to change everything on that too yeah
1: and so then he goes i'm going to make this movie i'm going to fight for the, the fuck for it and then i'm going to make you no money
0: <laughs> yeah but it may it it was it's one of those movies that fox now uses in their of course. in their research because they say this is an example of a movie that did very poorly in the theaters but did very well in dvd sales
1: it became a classic yeah it's cuz it's the kind of thing you want to watch over and over again So you can see it. Yeah, it's a rewatch movie. Because if you do like this movie, I mean, I even want to watch it again. Because I know that I missed. I I know that's. It's such a joy to watch this movie because you know that you have been considered. You know?
0: The viewer. Yeah, this is a movie for. Yeah. It's it's a fun movie to watch. It feels
1: good to watch. It is a movie made for you to enjoy. It's not a movie for a director to fucking masturbate on your face. You know?
0: Thank God. Because Seven a little bit was.
1: Yeah. Anyway, um, so. Ratings, IMDb, 8.8 out of 10. Okay. Metacritic, 66%. Oh, that's kind of low. Yeah, 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. 93% on Google. Wow. And our favorite of all, Entertainment Weekly. Gives it a straight up D. (laughs) Of
0: course they do, Saying things,
1: Saying things like this. If, with the game like mine... Bends. Wait, with the game-like mind bends, it lays on at the end. It means to suggest that anarchic destruction is not the answer to male rage. The fancy care lavished on repellent activities belies the avowal. If, as Fincher has said, this movie is supposed to be funny, then the joke's on us. D.
0: Wow. <laughs> what. A- Reviews. I
1: just love Entertainment Weekly more than I've ever knew I could possibly. Another joy of this podcast is discovering EW reviews. I mean, I never would care or think about it.
0: Never in a million years would I think that EW would have anything remotely interesting to say. But they always, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> they always Their do. reviews are so volatile. Like, I never know what they're going to say.
1: <laughs> I know, it's crazy.
0: Um, but now for our reviews. So, Well... I think it's also worth mentioning that Roger Ebert hated this movie. Oh,
1: of course he fucking did. If there's a movie that Roger Ebert's going to fucking hate, it is this dumb bitch movie. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah.
0: I have,
1: yeah. I never agree with Roger Ebert. Almost, so rarely. So rarely. I always
0: appreciate what he has to say because it's... A- I don't.
1: I feel like he's just spewing big words at me, trying to make me think that he actually has anything interesting to say, and he really doesn't.
0: Well, it does – I mean, I will say that he does make me see a perspective that I normally wouldn't have on a movie because it's so different from what I think.
1: You know, normally so, I do look at the Ebert review, but I didn't look at it this year – this week. What did he say?
0: I don't know. I just, I just like, skimmed, like, some things that said Roger Ebert hated it. Um,
1: well, that's fine. Anyway, let's do ours.
0: Okay, well, what's yours?
1: Um. So –
0: Roger Ebert gave it a two out of four, by the way.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. This is he not- called it fascist. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic Ebert. Yeah. That's a CE. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what did I think? Are we going to start with the movie in general?
0: I think, yeah, I think we are.
1: I want to give this movie a 7.8. Okay.
0: I was just going to give it a flat 8.
1: I think I might give it an 8.2. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. Wow. So yeah, it's not a contest chelsea
1: <laughs> no i think it is an eight i think it's an eight point i think it's a 7.9 i think it's in the <laughs> late sevens to early eights even maybe okay. eight. i'm gonna give it an 8.5
0: <laughs> good god can you just pick something <laughs> it's like
1: i'm having a psychotic breakdown it's like i'm two people <laughs>
0: yeah hi chelsea nice to meet you <laughs> um
1: hey go murder people for me That's what I would do. Okay. Super convincing. Super convincing stuff. 8.5. Final answer. Final answer? Final answer. Okay. Um, Because I really, really loved how considerate of the viewer it was. I really love... When I'm looking at it, the way I'm rating this is, first of all, I was completely engaged with it at all times. I was laughing at people getting murdered, which I think... I mean, getting beaten up, which I think is a pretty impressive feat. And I think that... um, as as an art as a piece of art i think it was really well done and i think it's one of those occasions where you really really tell a director through a movie and i appreciate yeah. that i like he owed oh, yeah. he he made that thing for us and it wasn't just for him and i just appreciate that if
0: we lived in a post-apocalyptic world where we didn't know how to differentiate directors from one another and movies just came out and they had no names attached to it, and I watched Seven and Fight Club, yeah. I would say I would be able to tell that the same person made those two movies.
1: Right, and you'd see that one was like like it was a, it's a step in the right way and a step in the right direction. One There's, is
0: a yeah. One is he's a, grown up a little bit. He's gotten version. he's
1: got he's able to get a little bit more money. Um, and he he's able to that. like
0: fully. I feel like he just had more control over the story he was telling. Yeah. Whether that be, that comes from him standing up to the studio or whether it comes from him um, being able to, uh, what do you call articulate what he's trying to say.
1: Right. I think he, I really liked his vision. Oh, one little random other fun thing that I um, discovered was okay. – this is like completely sh- out of sync with the rest of the podcast, but when he's in the cave meeting the penguin – and he breathes yeah. out the steam from his mouth. Mm-hmm. That is the same graphic steam from when Leonardo DiCaprio is drowning in the Titanic. They took literally <laughs> took that steam. That's awesome. They recycled his breath and gave it to Edward Norton.
0: <laughs> I love that. What,
1: isn't that a great fact?
0: Yeah, that's such a good fact. Yeah. Um I have another question for you, actually. Yeah. You might know. Yeah. Um did Mythbusters. Bust the myth that you could blow up your apartment from your refrigerator turning on.
1: I probably.
0: It sounds so familiar. I think they did. I'm
1: pretty sure they did. I know um, for a fact they did. They also busted the, the Titanic myth too.
0: What Titanic myth?
1: Well, that Jack didn't need to drown. He, there was enough room on that wood door. <laughs> oh yeah. They actually made a <laughs> replica of it. It was in the it was in the um, blueprint room forever. Anyway, um, so Brad Pitt's hair.
0: Wait, I have to give. Oh, I gave my rating. It's yeah, a, but do you want to explain um, your
1: rating? I'm sorry, I totally no, didn't give you the. I just no.
0: It's talk more. you get. I mean, I've been, this whole hour I've been explaining my <laughs> yeah, rating. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, his hair. Oh, a. I mean, it's a. Really. I would give it a, yes, you I like would that spiky. Huh. Nine. Well,
1: also, he shaved his head at the end. And how, how
0: fucking hot was that? Michael,
1: Michael, 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 Michael. I wrote a note it, in all caps yeah. that said, holy shit, he looks good with a shaved head. He has a perfectly shaved head. He does. I did love that shaved head. Ooh, I forgot about square, that.
0: He I, has a very square head, yeah. but, like in a, but also soft. It's yeah,
1: just, it's great. Not a love so, to be
0: seen. The messy, spiky thing was... Yeah. Yeah, it was like yeah, so a little '90s, but he he was wearing a fucking red leather jacket. His,
1: I wonder how much say he had in that in his wardrobe because his wardrobe was fucking awesome throughout the whole thing. So good, I such mean, a joy I to think, look at.
0: I bet you that they gave him like a wardrobe rack and they were like, put together your outfit from here for sure. And then they just give some adjustments, but it's, like for the it most seems part, like
1: the kind of role he contributed a lot to, right?
0: Yes, it does. Yeah. Which always turns out best when he can contribute when he has a lot of freedom it turns out really good for him which is
1: another reason why he's a director's actor and that if he's friends with the director he usually has more freedom and he does a better job in his own clothes like
0: yeah when he's comfortable
1: yeah when he's comfortable um so i it's interesting that you called out the shaved head thing because i was gonna only judge him on the spikes but he does look fucking great with no hair
0: yes he does which is why in mr and mrs smith he was irresistible
1: yeah you know what i think i'm right there with you i know i think yeah I, th- I think he's an 8.5 i think i'm doing a solid
0: 8.5 8.5 is fair because um the spiky hair thing is very 90s but i just think that 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 look works really well and it's such it's such a quintessential brad pitt look that's why i'm sticking with my mind he like, was so hot in this movie
1: solid. though that like he could have been who cares about the hair yeah. Really, we should just change the hair conversation to how hot does he look?
0: <laughs> we can't now. We're too how, deep in it. No,
1: of course. I'm just, you know... Like, uh, yeah, that's, it what is, is a big the part fuckability of the scale here? <laughs> the thing is, is it's, it's the same
0: person. It's just his... I guess his body does change. He doesn't change as no, much as someone he like... he
1: changed for this role. He got fucking ripped for this role. And apparently okay. he's really ripped in Snatch, which is next week. Um, oh,
0: God. Um. Okay, so... Uh, what about his acting?
1: So his acting was really good.
0: I, was, thought, was I thought good. he was
1: great in that role. One of his best, better roles that we've seen. In fact, yep. he's neck and neck here with Tristan from, from Legends. Very different I role. I think Tristan
0: was better. I forget what I gave it, but I would give it half a I th- point. I, th- I, th- to I think that we
1: gave Tristan 10s. I think we did. I'll give, him
0: a, I'll give Brad Pitt a 9 for this. Like, he was I'll give him great. a 9 for this. Yeah. Actually, no. I want to give him an 8.5.
1: I'm going to stick with a nine. So I'm going to do 8.5, 8.5 and a nine. I just think that like, I also want to give him a a couple more points because he's now, it seems to me in his life, he stopped taking himself a little too seriously. He's like happily on his path with Jen. He's just like, I want to do a role that I want to do. And I just like to see it, you know, I'd love to see it. Totally. Um, I agree. So great.
0: I think that's it for fight club.
1: Yeah, we did Fight Club. We're seventeen episodes in.
0: This is seventeen. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I can't believe that they're like that. We've just had this much to say about Brad Pitt.
1: People tell me, <laughs> people tell me weekly, because you know I'm going to all these office holiday parties and stuff, and like everybody wants to know what Small you do in your extracurricular, Central. and I want to right. stab myself in my chest. Uh, but I always bring up the podcast because it's a great talking point. Yeah. And people are like, I don't know how you are keeping doing this. Like, if I were you, I would have finished on episode one. And I'm like, you know why I keep doing this? I enjoy doing it. If I didn't like because doing it, fun. I yeah. wouldn't fucking do it. Also, I now have every weekend to lose a chunk of time.
0: Yeah. And I'm still doing um, it, which means
1: I really like doing it.
0: Yeah, I stopped going to therapy and I just do this instead. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great.
1: That's healthy. Um, That's something Brad Pitt would condone. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally don't go there therapy. Uh, and our, um, our we have we have a podcast friend who gave us a shout out um on their podcast these two guys named Scott and Troy who do a podcast called Highly Unqualified where they just talk about movies and um awesome similar to what we do and they they <laughs> they were really funny cuz they were like uh yeah you guys should go listen to this is the pits uh Michael and Chelsea they're on episode 14 right now i think um but uh, I don't even know, like that. The- I didn't even know Brad Pitt had fourteen movies, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, dude, he's got seventy-nine or something like that." Like 70- seventy. He yeah. will-
1: he's putting out a movie next year, which will make it seventy-nine.
0: Yeah, this podcast is never going to end because we're never going to. Well, we'll we'll, be- we'll catch up.
1: Yeah, but also every time, don't worry, listeners. We're never going to go away as long as he's acting. We're podcasting.
0: <laughs> That's right. Every year, at-, at a certain point, it's just going to be like twice a year yeah. or once. Yeah, or do- once every three years. Oh. oh, it's gonna be so fun. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so next week is a movie called Snatch.
0: Yes. I love, love Snatch. It's one of my favorite movies, but I and I haven't watched it in a really long time, so I'm super excited to watch it again. Is it directed Have you by seen it?
1: Guy Ritchie? Yeah,
0: it's Guy Ritchie.
1: Yeah. I've not seen it. So I'm oh, very excited great. to see it. And oh, that's amazing. we've now we're gonna be in the two thousands. We will we will be out of the nineties.
0: Yeah, it'll be the 2000s. I mean, this is our last 90s movie. What a great way to like end the 90s. Yeah. We started the 90s. Uh, was it Thelma and Louise was the first 90s movie? Yeah. 90, no, Louise. that was 92. Don't, or was it 91? No, Sorry, the
1: first remember. movie, the, his first movie was that we watched was Too Young to Die, right?
0: Yes, but 90s movies.
1: It was a 90s movie. No, it was 89. Oh, 90s movie was Across the Tracks
0: oh that's right 1991 across the tracks you're very correct
1: yeah um so watch snatch and then yeah. tune in next week and follow us on our socials what are they again michael
0: uh twitter is at the pits pod and oh we got another Instagram. follower by the way oh yeah Woo. um uh, Instagram is uh, at this is the pits pod. Our uh, email is this is the pits pod at gmail.com. And my name is Michael Overse, and that over there is Chelsea Greenwood. And, and this we... is this is the pits.
1: This is the pits. Thank
0: you. Love you.
1: <laughs> bye. See ya. Wouldn't wanna be uh